Good morning, Pastor's message this morning is entitled Admiring and Emulating the Gift and the Giver, and the sermon text is taken from the epistle of 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 23. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels and compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Amen. Pray with me. Our Lord, um, our God, we thank you for the gift of Christ. Um, it's the gift and the giver that we are in awe of. It's Christ the gift. It's the giver, God and we praise your name together. But as we have believed in Christ, so help us to emulate him. As we are in awe of your grace, help us to be gracious. Give us grace so that we will not only speak about Christ, but we will show forth the love of Christ and so show ourselves to be children of God, to be like you through Jesus Christ and the grace that works through him and through the Spirit on our behalf. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week we considered from John's first epistle, his first letter, that a follower of Christ admires him. But as a follower of Christ admires the one we follow in such a way that it is our hope to be like him. And our hope will be realized when he returns. That's when we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, the apostle says in chapter 3, verse 2. 
But until our hope comes, until he appears, until he comes again, those of us who belong to him, he says in verse 3, who have believed on his name, are to purify ourselves even as he is pure. And this is to the end that our faith in Christ acts as an admiring faith. It is an admiring faith. If we say we have faith in Christ, that is to say we admire him, we trust in him, we follow him. All of these are synonyms. We could say we love him. Faith is that apprehension of the glory of the person of the Son of God, that we know him, and therefore we desire to be like him. In this context, that means like him in that he is without sin. And he came to free us from sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil and keeping us in bondage to sin. To be like him in righteousness. To be like him in holiness. We are not yet at this point sinless. John teaches us this in chapter 1. He teaches us this again in chapter 3. We are not yet like him. But we know that when Christ came into the world, he came to save sinners and to defeat the devil. And he has accomplished this thing already. And so us who have been risen with Christ, who have died with Christ in our sin and been risen with him, are no longer in bondage to the devil. We're no longer in bondage to sin, Romans chapter 6, as we used to be. We don't long to sin. We actually long to be like Christ. And this is the work of the Spirit in us, giving us the mind of Christ and teaching us to walk in His way. And there are many aspects of Christ's likeness that we could talk about when we speak about Him, about His righteousness, about His holiness. And there are many ways that we could talk about our desire to be like Him. But there is one way especially that the Apostle John speaks about our likeness to Christ in this context. Yes, he speaks about it in terms of obedience to God's commandments, but he speaks about it in one particular way throughout this epistle, especially in chapters 3 and 4. And that aspect is aspect of Christ's righteousness is the love of Christ. 1 John 3.10 by this is it, it is evident who are the children of God and who are not the children of the devil, or who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. That is the message that you've already been taught. But we think that the beginning here in this context means more than just that you've already been taught this. If you know the scriptures, you know that from the very beginning of mankind that it is those who are not of God who hate their brother. And we know that from the example of Cain and his hatred of his brother Abel. Abel was righteous and Cain was unrighteous and he hated his brother and he despised him. And then we read as we go into chapter 4 verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God 
and knows God. So we see there a negative aspect of one who does not love his brother is not of God, but the one who does love his brother, this one has been born of God, this one knows God. Brother here is not your blood brother. Brother here is your spiritual brother, one who has been born of God, your spiritual sister in the Lord, children of God by adoption, chapter 3, verse 1. What manner of love God has shown to us that we should be the sons or the children of God. That's who our brothers are. You look around your, your, your shoulder today and you'll see your brother and your sister. This is who we are to love. This is how we are to emulate Christ. And here's how Christ taught this. He says there in 1 John chapter 3 that Jesus is the one who taught us this command. And I would say he focuses on Christ because he taught us this command, not the first person to teach us this command, but he exemplified this command for us. To the degree that we must love one another, we must see it in Christ, and that's who we're following, right? And so Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And here's what's new about it. Just as I have loved you. You see, this commandment that Jesus gives to love your neighbor as yourself, that was all the way back in Leviticus. That's very early on in the Bible that we understand that. John says you could see that as far back as Genesis chapter 4 in the relationship of Cain and Abel. And yet Jesus is saying this. Here's what's new about this command. It's just as I have loved you. That's how you ought to love one another. Well, how did Jesus love us? And then he says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who emulates the one they follow. A disciple is a follower, but by the, by the emulation of the one they followed, people would know who they were disciples of. By people's view of you, they should know Christ. By what people see of you and your love. They should know the love of Christ. This is no small calling, is it? We could take a survey of the fruits of love at this point. We could look at the fruits of Christ's love. We could look at the fruits of the Spirit, much of which are the fruits that come from love in the heart. Gentleness. How are you going to maintain, gen maintain gentleness apart from love in your heart? Long-suffering. Meekness, patience, kindness, forgiveness. How are you going to forgive others if you don't have love in your heart? When offenses come and that are real, and don't you think that we really offended God with our sin? That's the measure of love that Christ showed when he laid down his life for us. We could look at all of these and we could be here for the rest of our lives looking at them. I want to look at one aspect of the love of Christ that we see here, both in 1 John and we see expressly as well in 2 Corinthians. We'll kind of go between these two texts. 
But John says this in chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love. By this we know what love is, that he laid down his life for us. Here's what I want us to consider this morning. The love of Christ in laying down his life for us. And that's something that we can define within the realm of generosity. The love of generosity. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And here's where I get that from. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. If then we would be like Christ, we would lay down our lives for the sake of each other. And here in this context, he means expressly in the regard of what we have. The physical things we have, that if one of us or those of us who are brothers and sisters in the Lord, even outside of this congregation, if we see that somebody is in need, that we would be ready to be like Christ and giving to that need. Notice the degree of emulation, of love that we should have here. Emulation of Christ. How did he love us? How did Christ love us? He laid down his life for us. We use the phrase risk-taking. I think John Piper has made that phrase quite popular with his book, Don't Waste Your Life. This is not risk-taking. This is not taking a risk. I'm not downplaying the, the usefulness of that phrase. This is as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, he became poor. He did not risk poverty. He became impoverished. That you, by his poverty, might become rich. In order for Christ to get to the point where he could lay down his life, he had to become impoverished. Philippians 2.7 says that he first emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, it was only by taking himself on to himself a human nature that he could die. Philippians 2, 3 and 5 says, In this same vein, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. The very opposite of the love of Christ is to be focused only on what is yours and what you want and what belongs to you and to be certain to keep it. You see, liberalism was not a political term originally. And when it becomes a political term, it dies. This is liberalism. 
Love that is willing to give willingly out of a cheerful disposition. Not as exaction, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but because you know the grace of our Lord towards you who became poor for you so that you might become rich. And the apostle says in Philippians, have this mind in you. Let this be in your mind. John says to emulate this love. Paul says to emulate this love. Jesus says to emulate this love. It is the Christian duty. If we have received the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be like him in this sort of love. They're all saying the same thing, and it's worth noticing that we will not love each other like Christ when we think too highly of ourselves or too lowly of Christ. It's when we see Him. It's when we admire Him. It's when we believe on Him rightly. In true faith, when we recognize how lowly we were in our sin and how lowly He went to save us from it, that we will see the gifts and the kind of benevolence and generosity that we're called to be as something that we can do with joy. As Paul said, Christ's giving brought him low into poverty. Christ's poverty, the depths of his love, can never be achieved by, the, by us. We can never give as much as he gave. And that's the joy of it. You think about that. There is no length to what we can do that will ever outgive what God has given to us. He is not calling us to do something that he has not done himself perfectly. He's calling us to follow him. Christ-like love seeks the gain of others at our own expense. It costs Christ to love us and give himself a ransom for us. A ransom is a term of redemption. It's a term of business, as you would, as it were, at the time. It's a term of slave business. You would pay a ransom to free somebody from their debtedness, from their slavery. And this is what Christ did with his own blood. There was a, a lot of suffering in the early church. Perhaps no more than the Jerusalem church suffered. Very early on, the Jerusalem church, those who were Jews in Jerusalem, were afflicted so severely that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul describes the giving of the Macedonian church, Gentile, probably mostly Gentiles in that region, that they gave out of abundance of joy and poverty. They were severely stricken with poverty, and the Jerusalem's church, the Jerusalem church was so their situation was so dire 
that the Macedonian church gave to them. None of us are in this position today. Not the poorest of us in this room are in this position of dire poverty. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, I want to read it here. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I looked up the Greek word for extreme poverty. You know what it means? It means extreme poverty. <laughs> it means they were really poor. And they gave because they saw that they had more than those in Jerusalem had in their severe affliction. You see, those in Jerusalem, they were outcasts, doubly speaking. They didn't fit in in the Rome community because they would not bow to Caesar, and they didn't fit in amongst their own people. The Jews cast them out. They had no, they were the very first Christians to know what it was like to not be able to buy or sell or trade. They had no place in society. Nothing. In fact, they were so impoverished that they had to flee all their family. What Christ said about hating your father and mother and brother and sister and daughter and sons, if they were in Christ, they had no place among their own people and they had to be scattered throughout the regions just to survive at some point. And here this church in Macedonia gave out of their extreme poverty to see to it that the church in Jerusalem were well cared for. And here's something that I want to apply to us now. You look around this room, and there are people that have needs more than others for, for sure, and we need to be very quick to meet those needs. And by God's grace and his mercy, this church is a giving church. But what happened a few months ago when we gave to those churches in Mexico, that should not be the exception. When we give, God willing, soon to this Bread of Life orphanage, that should not be the exception in the world amongst Christians. In Africa, when we give to our brothers and sisters, we need to be thinking about our brothers and sisters more so than just here in Kauai, but our brothers and sisters throughout the world. You see, the world's very small these days. Christians, our dime goes a long way in Africa. Remember the sun of the pastor, Pastor Leila Rook, the, the ministry partner of, of our brother Mike Wexler out there in Kenya. His son had a severe eye injury. They couldn't afford to pay it. We sent $300 that paid for the surgery and all the medicine for that, that, that boy. And he is back to normal now. $300. <laughs> It's, in a, it's more blessed to give, to be in a place of giving, than even to receive. How joyful is it to be in a place where we can give, and it blesses our brothers and sisters to that end. But why? You see, the world, I believe, when they give... 
even today in our culture, you'll see the world, the people of the world, and they'll give, and they'll give to feel good about themselves. They'll give because they see people in need and they feel bad about that. But a lot of the reason why the world gives is because they have had thousands of years of Christianity telling them it's good to give liberally, generously. You see, the world wasn't always liberal in its giving. Secularists were not always concerned about the impoverished, about the poor. The Greeks abhorred the foolish, and the foolish were the poorest in their culture. The wise had and the fools didn't have, and that was how divisions took place. You know, Christ rolled over this world and continues today in the way that even the world thinks. But let it never be said of his people that we are not like our Lord in our generosity. There's two capstones to generosity that the apostle speaks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The first I've already read in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And the second capstone is in chapter 9, verse 15, and it's this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You know what that word inexpressible means? It cannot be expressed how great the gift of God is. We cannot use words enough to speak about how great his gift is. And what is his gift? His gift is his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever lasting life. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. And then John says in 1 John 4.11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. None of us have offended each other like Christ. We have offended God. We could never offend each other to that degree. The worst thing we could do to one another would never amount to what we have done against God when we as sinners sin before Him and we as human beings put to death His Son. Even to this end, God loved us and gave Him for us. And I have just a few points of application in all of this. I've already been speaking a little bit. Number one, we need to purify ourselves even as Christ is pure in the regard that we love like Christ loves. Now, this is not something that you will wake up tomorrow and have it. (laughs) You're not just going to have it. If we can love like this, we will be perfect But we must purify. That's an ongoing process. I pray for the love of Christ. I don't have it perfectly. Sometimes I I don't know if I have it at all. When I'm 
in my worst and maybe my most worldly mindset. I don't see it. I pray for it. And we ought to pursue that together as a congregation. John says it's the hope of being like Christ, the hope that when he returns we shall be like him and we see him as he is, that leads us to purify ourselves now. Do you want to see Christ with no evidence of Christ's likeness? Do you want to see him without any evidence that you are a follower of him? You want to see him, and you want him to see you and say, you have followed me. You have been a follower of me. Yes, you're not perfect. But I have seen you throwing off the selfishness of your natural condition. I have seen you throwing off the works of darkness that were natural to you. I have seen you give out of a heart of love because of what I gave you. Second, since love is the fulfilling of the law in Romans 13.10, the primary and necessary way in which we emulate Christ is in loving one another. And we've already seen, third, that this is sacrificial love. It's not just we love each other when it feels good, when it's easy, when it rolls off our back the offenses, when he said the right thing in the pulpit. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there because I don't often always say the right thing for sure. This love is sacrificial and it's for the gain, listen to this, this love is for the gain of the one whom we show it to. Is that how you think about love? It's for their gain. What did God need? I just, I just marvel at this. God, don't ever let anybody tell you God created because he needed somebody to be with or he needed something. God is perfectly sufficient in himself. Why did he show us love this way? Yes, he showed it so that we would glorify him ultimately, that he'd be glorified, yes, but we benefit by glorifying God. That's the joy of our hearts. That's what he created us for. You see, he loved us so that we would know how great he is. It benefits us. And we show love so that people would know the greatness of God. For them, it is to show them Christ. Fourth, this is love for the glory of God. Go to 2 Corinthians 9, 10. And I'm going to read through verse 15. God, or he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he supplies everything, in other words. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is God's. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, listen to this, in order to be generous in every way, which through us will produce 
what? Thanksgiving to God. Our generosity, which just comes from God giving us everything we have, will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, those who receive the love gift, they approve of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because, listen to this, of the surpassing grace of God upon you. What does that grace look like? Chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. What was that first word? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the apostle saying? The end of all this is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be seen in you, in your giving, so that in your giving they would know the gospel is seated in you and being demonstrated in your generosity. So who gets the praise in all of it? Who gets the thanks in all of it? God. Through our giving, through our being like Christ, more thanksgiving, more glory, more praise abounds to God. And that's what we desire as Christians, is it not? Isn't that what you desire? That's what God saved us for. That's what Christ lived for. I always do what pleases the Father. This is how we love, like Christ. Our family knows this very well. This has been a a sermon that's been in my heart for years. Five years I've been at this church. And you've been so generous. And it abounds to God's glory. When we talk about it with our kids and we talk about it with our family and we talk about it with our friends and workers that come to the property or whatever it is, it's a thanksgiving that demonstrates the gospel that God gave His Son and God's people love the Son and love God and give. (laughs) It abounds to the glory of God. But also, it makes us want to emulate Christ. It makes us want to give. It makes us want to use whatever God has given us to give back. You see, this is the way that God saves sinners, to conform us to the image of Christ. And we all have a part in it here. You see how the church edifies one another in this way, to give. And so we look for opportunities to give, like God gave. Beloved, the time may be coming this next year. It's been a hard year for a lot of people a lot of people around the world. The time may be on the horizon where it's hard for us to give. And let us never stop giving. 
as God enables. And let us give more. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to hear about a ministry, Bread of Life Orphanage in Africa. And I'm praying that we will give to that. Not just maybe in our goods, but maybe even in our skills. Whatever God requires. Um, True religion and undefiled is this. That you visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And we'll have opportunity to do that. And we do have opportunity. Look for opportunities in the world. Remember your brothers and sisters next to you. Do not let Satan throw a wrench in your fellowship, in the love that you ought to have for one another. Do not be deceived by the world and the way they want you to think about love. They do not know what love is if they do not know Christ. Listen to Scripture. Follow in the example of Christ. Do you admire him? Do you want to be like him? Then love like him.